0: Welcome to National Parks Traveler, where we explore the national parks and the issues that involve them. For
1: more than a decade, Colorado College has been sponsoring a poll to gauge conservation sentiments of residents in Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, Arizona, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, and Nevada. Over the years, the questions have ranged from whether members of the public view themselves as conservationists, whether land conservation and protection can be paired with a strong economy, and even whether federal land should be turned over to the states. This is Kurt Repencheck, your host at the National Parks Traveler. The 2023 poll just came out, and it points to public support for strong conservation policies that protect wildlife and wild lands, and what some might call surprisingly strong support from a largely conservative corner of the country for a conservation goal of protecting 30% of the nation's lands and waters by 2030. We're going to get into the poll results in a minute with Brian Curzel, the National Wildlife Federation's Regional Executive Director for the Rocky Mountain Region.
0: The Everglades Foundation, the only organization whose sole mission is to restore and protect America's Everglades. Learn more at evergladesfoundation.org. Whether it be strategy, business planning, change management, board development, executive search, or diversity planning, Potrero Group is here to help. They mix a depth of experience in the parks and land space with a breadth of best practices from other industries. For more information or to schedule a preliminary conversation, go to potrerogroup.com. P O T R E R O group.com. The Yosemite Conservancy helps visitors connect with Yosemite through adventures, volunteering and the arts. It's the only nonprofit dedicated to supporting Yosemite National Park and funds grants to improve trails, restore habitat, protect wildlife and inspire the next generation of nature lovers. Learn more at Yosemite.org. Welcome to the Traveler, Brian. Thank you so much,
1: Curt. i glad to be here. Glad you could join us. Um, interesting poll, as I said in the introduction, um, they've been running these polls for for roughly uh, over a decade, actually, I think the first one was back in 2011. A- and I find this poll's results pretty surprising in light of the general conservative thread that runs through the states in the survey. I mean, overall, it found that support in 70 to 90% range for conservation goals like protecting wildlife habitats and migration routes Ensuring healthier forests, preventing light pollution that blocks out the stars, and safeguarding drinking water. I mean, were you surprised, considering that we're talking about the Southwest?
2: Well, that's a great question, Curtin. And, and I understand why why you may be and many may be surprised by by these results. Um, I I was not surprised, and part of that is because I've been paying attention to this survey for the last, I think it's the thirteenth year, and. Consistently, even though, and when it breaks down, there's 37% Republican participation, 31% independent, 31% Democrat, it's very evenly split in terms of uh, kind of political party. But no matter whether it's urban folks or whether it's rural folks in the West, there's often a reason why people uh, either have lived here and their families have lived here for generations or why they've moved here. And that often has to do with the natural values that we have in the West. Um, And whether that is an interest of a family being able to go and hang out uh, and have a picnic in a a nice park nearby, or whether it is uh, somebody who has been hunting with their grandfather for generations, Westerners tend to lean towards really identifying and recognizing the value of of, uh, good air water wildlife and land and that's what this uh this survey reflects
1: and and i'm pausing because i'm 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 thinking about jumping around with my um prepared list of questions i have to agree with you on on a lot of those points and yet you you look at the congressional delegations for these states and and specifically i think you can point to to wyoming and montana and and utah for sure the the Congressional delegations don't seem to be marching in step with those sentiments. I mean, part of the poll um, showed that um, large support for the president's ability to establish national monuments, and yet in Utah, I think we've seen the politicians strongly disagree with that. So where do we get the transition from, this is what the public wants, and this is what the congressional delegations and the governors of the states are going to support? Well, I think what you're getting at there, Kurt,
2: is um, that that some of the issues are broader and some of them are very local uh, and some of them are affecting the landscape and some of them are decisions that people make at their kitchen tables. And so I think that is where you see maybe some disconnect (laughs) is that uh, a a person who depends on uh, hunting for putting food on their table they're gonna consider themselves a conservationist. And then other factors come in, right? In terms of what is the local economy built on? Um, What are the uh, opportunities for the future economy? How can people infuse uh, money into their communities rather than seeing it being drained? And so that's where a lot of the the rubber meets the road in some of the policies that uh, either do or do not get support on Capitol Hill or in the state capitals.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and certainly in Utah, a lot of people will go back to, you know, 2016 when uh, President Obama at the time created the Bears Ears National Monument. And you can even go back to, I think it was 1996 when uh, President Clinton created the Grand Staircase-Escalante National Monument. And then, you know, all the battling that's been going on back and forth between uh, uh, the Republicans and the Democrats, if you will, just to paint a, a broad brush um, – and it seems to be a disconnect, you know, if you look at these poll results about how much strong support there is for the, the president's ability to protect these lands and how um, there, there's a really strong groundswell, according to the poll, for clean energy. And let's phase out the use of fossil fuels.
2: Mm-hmm. I wanna make sure I understand your question, Kurt.
1: Well, there's not exactly a, a, a question there. It's just, uh, you know, looking at the landscape there just seems to be a disconnect between what what the voters are saying when they're polled on these questions and what the the elected officials are doing.
2: Yeah, and and I guess the the way that I, I think what I see in these poll results is an opportunity to draw lines more clearly between what people value and what decisions their leaders are making, right? Um, And some of that is, is making sure people understand the implications of various uh, issues. So I'll I'll highlight one that got a lot of support in here, um, which was about the importance of oil and gas companies cleaning up lands that are degraded from development. Um, Over 80% in every state, all eight states were in support of that. And so some of this is just our ability as conservationists, um, the media's ability to, to lift up stories, etc., cetera, that don't necessarily say an industry must, an industry is bad and must go away, but rather, how are there ways to do this in a responsible way that really aligns with Westerners' values? And in this case, for example, it sounds very clear that there should be some bonding policies that assure that companies are responsible for cleaning up the mess that they made. And there's a lot of connection there with the general public. And so that's one example of where groups like the National Wildlife Federation and many others are trying to draw that line between those who are identifying as conservationists and then trying to get their their decision makers to make decisions that reflect the values of their constituents.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, let, let's take a look at some of these specifics. I mean, you mentioned the the desire to, to have uh, energy developers clean up after themselves. 85% support constructing wildlife crossing structures across major highways that intersect with known migration routes. I mean, I guess we shouldn't be too surprised by that. We've seen um, recently in in California the move to um, create uh, the, the big uh, overpass across the, the 101 to uh, allow mountain lines to go back and forth and uh, um, not get uh, run over. And then um, we just had a story on the... Uh, the Traveler um, the, other, the other week about um, how important migratory corridors are. Some of the wildlife, you know, primarily ungulates and, and whatnot, can, can move back and forth and uh, not get stuck on biological islands. And so, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier about Westerners, you know, conservation thread, going back, you know, their ties to the land, that shouldn't be a surprising result, do you think, 85%?
2: Not at all. Not at all. And and there, there's a lot to that. Also, besides the, the quote unquote conservation aspect, that is a public safety issue as well. Right. And especially if you've ever driven on a lonely highway and uh, I if you're on uh, Interstate 80 going west in Wyoming at night, uh, you know what I mean in terms of that there's a, a public safety issue and an insurance and insurance companies actually have been identifying the need for wildlife crossings for many years. And Uh our organization has actually been collaborating with insurance companies to identify the potential fiscal benefits (laughs) in terms of not only reduces potential for people to be harmed uh, by wildlife uh, collisions, but also it reduces the (laughs) concerns about um, and risks in terms of that insurance companies are, are worried about. And so on every front, whether it's financial, whether it's human safety, or whether it's for wildlife and conservation, wildlife crossings in places where wildlife are consistently moving in one in one place makes a lot of sense. Um, and so it's not surprising to me that that large number, 85% of people said they wanna see more of these structures. And I will say there is a huge opportunity with uh, the recent Inflation Reduction Act and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law that there's an infusion of funds that could be used and should be used for just this purpose. Um, And we were a part of advocating for that. And then we also are going to be trying to hold the um, people's feet to the fire to get more of these built around the West.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for some of these states to, to talk about the tourism value of these wildlife crossings. I mean, I live in Park City, Utah, and there's actually one that crosses Interstate 80, um, probably less than five miles from my house. And I know it was about a year ago that the the state of Utah put up a video clip that they had captured with one of the remote sensing um, cameras that, that went viral across the country with all the, the wildlife that crosses that bridge. And so um, it's really kind of interesting. And I'm sure the the, the 101 crossing in, in California, when it gets built, people are going to be just dying to see what type of wildlife movements are coming across that. This is Kurt Repencheck. We're talking today with Brian Kurzel, the National Wildlife Federation's Regional Executive Director for the Rocky Mountain region, and the topic is a recent poll released by Colorado College. Um, that kind of measures the the conservation pulse of the uh, southwestern states a little bit into the inner Mountain West with uh, Wyoming and Montana connected into it. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back.
0: Listener and reader support make National Parks Traveler possible every day of the year. If you enjoy the Traveler's content, please consider a donation via nationalparkstraveler.org. The Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation is the primary nonprofit fundraising partner for the Blue Ridge Parkway. It is made up of people who have a deep love for this majestic road and want to ensure that its natural beauty and the experiences it offers endure for generations to come. Show your appreciation at brpfoundation.org. Washington State is graced with three spectacular national parks, each different and special in their own unique ways. As the official nonprofit partner and the only philanthropic organization dedicated exclusively to supporting these parks through charitable contributions, Washington's National Park Fund has a mission to raise private support to deepen everyone's love for, understanding of, and experiences in Mount Rainier, North Cascades, and Olympic National Parks. Share your passion for these parks at WNPF.org. Full of stunning photography and thought-provoking reads, Smokey's Life is a biannual magazine produced by Great Smoky Mountains Association. Members receive it free of charge each spring and fall, and it is available for purchase in retail stores throughout Great Smoky Mountains National Park and online at smokiesinformation.org.
1: So Brian, another um, shouldn't be surprising result was uh, 84% of those surveyed support new national parks, national monuments, and national wildlife refuges, as well as tribal protected areas to protect historic sites or areas of outdoor recreation. I mean, that, again, kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? It is.
2: I mean, I, I think the, the, that, that sort of speaks to the importance of the wide open spaces uh, for Westerners, right? Um, places where, like, we know that there are places that have to prioritize their their natural Values and and importance, um, and so that's what that's what that question reflects. I think one of the underlying pieces of that that's really critical is that it's important to have a, a really inclusive process in that effort as well, in terms of really listening to and hearing from local communities as to what because uh, they're the ones that are going to be most impacted by any designations, whether they be federal or otherwise, um, and so making sure that there is. We know that people value these places, but they also value their voice being heard as those places are are being considered and designated. So I think that's something that also I would take away uh, if I was a, a decision maker uh, potentially considering some uh, na- some natural monument or other designations.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a hard. A hard topic to parse because, you know, obviously you do have the local communities who are concerned about, you know, hey, you know, we've lived around this land for generations and, you know, we've we've relied on being able to use it and whatnot and now you want to take it away. And then there are other communities that, that want to bring a national monument or even, a nat- you know, have a national monument transitioned into a national park because of the, the economic benefits that those will bring. And so, um, yeah, it's got to be a tough, tough position to to put a politician in 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 general, I'll say. I mean, certainly there are some, some politicians who, who favor national monument designations and some who adamantly oppose them. Um, another strong support was um, 76% support for directing funding to ensure adequate access to parks and natural areas for lower income people and communities of color that disproportionately lack them. I shouldn't be surprised by that. I mean, in general, we're a compassionate society
2: absolutely and and i i also want to highlight that as part of this um this survey there there's results broken down by uh race for example with uh information about latino latinx or hispanic populations uh black uh in, indigenous and native american and, and and across the board there's consistent um consistency in people identifying overwhelmingly as conservationists and I think a a critical piece, and this is where I think the whole conservation movement can do a much better job. Conservation isn't just for the few. There's so many benefits out there to having clean air, clean water, wildlife roaming, um, especially the water piece. Uh, A lot of our water in the West comes from these wide open spaces. And so um, communities that uh, are more uh, city-based or urban, there are people in the, or throughout the West. In fact, eighty percent of our population in the West, over eighty percent, is is identifying as living in urban places, and there is still consistent connection to the land, connection to wildlife and and natural values. And so, it's incumbent upon our decision makers to not only make sure to quote unquote set aside big open spaces, but also to make sure that there is an effort to um, create really um, accessible ways for communities to enjoy those places and get benefits Mm -hmm. from them. Um, And there's a lot of ways to do that. First and foremost, the most critical way is listening to those communities and seeing what they value, uh, hearing what their uh, interests are, and then identifying how how best to manage these places to allow for greater access.
1: Yeah, and and a lot of it is providing access to those areas, you know, because if you're a lower income and you live in an inner city, you know, traveling up to Rocky Mountain National Park or uh, Grand Teton National Park certainly is going to be a challenge. Um, Another surprising number some might find, 85% of those surveyed support ensuring Native American tribes have greater input into decisions made about areas on national public lands that contain sites sacred or culturally important to their tribe.
2: Yeah, and... and I was somewhat surprised by this, partially also because this was one of those that jumped out at me as I was looking at this. Where every state was over eighty mm-hmm. percent in their support in, in Westerners' support of this statement of Native American tribes having greater input into the decisions made in our public lands, and I think that is um, that's more than just sort of a blip. I mean that 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 shows uh, kind of a consistent movement of our society identifying that Native American tribes and indigenous communities with their with the connection to the land that goes back millennia and generations, they have a, a lot to offer in terms of uh, understanding how to steward these places. Uh, and it's critical that those voices are not only at the table and invited to the table, but helping build the table for uh, how our public lands can be managed.
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I, I don't know if it's a, a reawakening or not. Um, I, I come at it from, from two directions. I mean, one, I was a, a history minor in college, and so I, I find these sites amazing, and being able to get the tribe's perspective of why these are considered sacred or what transpired in these locations is so important just from a cultural standpoint. And then, you know, getting back to what you were saying, you know, I think the more voices that are involved, as long as the, the, the discussion is civil and we can exchange points of view so you can understand another individual's point of view, I think that's so important. And I think that's how we can coalesce around ideas that we, everybody supports is by getting those different points of view and considering them and understanding them. Now the tough question for you, Brian, how much weight should be placed on these results? And I ask that because who who wouldn't want more national parks or safer wildlife crossings or cleaner energy? I mean, we could predict the results from a question about whether the public would be in favor of air and water pollution, couldn't we?
2: That's a great question and and I appreciate you asking it. And and I think there's a a couple considerations here. One is, One of the things I think is important about this survey is now the longevity of it. So you can see how things might change over time. And if there are shifts in different states or different populations' values, um, that is really critical to know and and important to consider in terms of public policy. Um, In terms of, I I understand what you're saying about, yes, most people are going to say we want you know clean air clean water i think what's what's also what what is i think worth consideration here is that there are also people that are trying to make a living and have an econ- have an economic consideration here and i think the way i look at this yes there is local economic considerations and The question, for example, about do you want clean air or do you want to prioritize oil and gas development? Clean air came out, clean air and water came out heavily favored. Sure. Um, That to me says that it's not oil and gas necessarily solely that is what encourages people to make kind of uh, decisions to develop some of these places. It is the economics. And so that is where I, as a conservationist, think. Well, how can we incorporate economics in the way that we're approaching conservation to make sure that local communities are, that that we are, that everybody is considering the values and needs and and opportunities that local rural communities are are facing right now. So so I I hear what you're saying, and and yes, generally people are gonna support air and water, but the, the level of support for those natural values says to me that uh, there, there's a lot of room for us to move policy in a way that that hopefully does both. It doesn't leave people behind, but it brings people forward and it allows for conservation to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I think they can go hand in hand if we work hard enough to find the connections there. This is Kurt Repinchek We're joined today by Brian Kurzel, the National Wildlife Federation's Regional Executive Director for the Rocky Mountain Region. Talking about a new poll that came out recently that is taking the pulse of uh, conservationism in uh, the general public in uh, the Intermountain West and the Southwest. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back in a minute.
0: Our partner, Interior Federal Credit Union, has given away over 2 million nickels since they started their nickel back program on their checking accounts. Learn how you can earn a nickel on your signature-based transactions at interiorfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Acadia National Park is one of the 10 most popular national parks in the United States. It's also one of the smallest and most vulnerable. That's why Friends of Acadia exists. Friends of Acadia is an independent organization of passionate people inspiring those who love this magnificent park to make a real and lasting difference for Acadia. You can make a difference at friendsofacadia.org. Okay,
1: we're back with Brian Curzel from the National Wildlife Federation Brian, you know we we both touched on the the strong support for um, more involvement from Native American tribes did Did any other um, result in this survey surprise you?
2: There's a couple things that I, I I that did jump out at me, and we haven't yet talked about water um and and I think that is one that is really critical to elevate <laughs> is that I think there's, um, well, one thing I would highlight, for example, there are more Westerners or Westerners are more worried about drought, water availability, low levels in our rivers than they are about the price of gasoline, because they also ask questions of other concerns that people had. And I think just, I I, I note that as a way to say that Westerners are living, the, the challenge that we are facing uh, with the changing climate and particularly the aridification of the West. And that is real. People are learning and are seeing it every day, whether it's uh, their grass is green, (laughs) or excuse me, their grass is yellow instead of green. The reservoirs are low and it's not a fun place to uh, recreate anymore or things are more expensive in terms of water rates that we're paying. And so um, I just wanted to highlight that that jumped out at me not as a surprise, but something that, um, especially in places like Colorado, Arizona, uh, Nevada, um, and Utah, that people are paying a lot of attention to, Um, and especially with things that have been in the news about the Colorado River Basin and the reservoirs here in that basin, this is something that's on people's mind, and I was reassured to see that they're paying attention
1: no absolutely and um you know it you could go across the country i think and and find similar issues i mean certainly in in california the wildfires and um uh you move up into uh, uh the pacific northwest they also have wildfires and and the climate is changing there you go to the the southeast the coastal areas sea level rise it seems like each region of the country has its own specific issue to deal with and um It's good to be seeing attention focused on these, and it'll be even better when we start to see some solutions come up to some of these issues. I'm curious, um, Colorado College has been conducting these polls since 2011. Have we seen a change in the views of elected officials? And, you know, I'm probably, you know, going back to some ground we already covered, but, you know, the poll has found the public has over the years consistently endorsed having their members of Congress protect natural resources on public lands rather than produce energy there. But are the are the politicians doing it? Is anybody taking the results of these surveys and going up to, you know, Capitol Hill in Washington and sitting down with representatives and senators and saying, you know, what do you make of this? You know, do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it?
2: That's a great question, Kurt. And and
1: I'll, I'll answer that
2: in, in the form of an example of why I think that a poll like this is has been utilized relatively effectively, and I'll, I'll put it through the lens of something you mentioned at the beginning, which is that is a question we're not even seeing in here anymore, which is about would you want your federal public lands to be handed over to the states uh, and have the states manage those lands? That question wasn't even included in here, uh, but it was a major question uh, about five years ago, five or six mm-hmm. years ago, and for for several years. And overwhelmingly, Westerners responded, we want our public lands to stay public uh, and, and stay in, in federal hands, rather than be handed over to states that may sell those lands off to private private." Uh, owners who would then not necessarily be good stewards of those lands. And so, that to me, that I can say our organization and many others utilized this survey to make sure that our decision makers were hearing the drumbeat of concern from their constituents about something that was a real concern to them, which is handing over our public lands and potentially losing those. And so, that is now not even necessarily on the table in state houses or even the federal uh, um, Capitol Hill. And so to me, that is a great victory (laughs) for the uh, conservation community that was built, that was reflected in this survey. So so I I do think there is uh, uh, some positive examples of this happening, Um, but of course it's critical for advocates to speak up and really make sure the fair decision makers are hearing this
1: yeah yeah a couple other um, things that jumped out to me um i shouldn't be surprised um great concern over the loss of natural areas i often hear myself saying it, it's time to find the next best place because it's getting too crowded where i live and obviously that is a concern across across the region here and, and specifically a lot of a lot of those surveyed said there are too many people moving into their states. It's a serious problem, and you know Utah Governor Cox was in Washington D.C. last week, and he got into a lot of trouble because you know he said he he wished Californians would stop moving to to Utah, and it wasn't a, a slight against Californians. It was a simple fact that Utah is really grappling with a, a a population issue with so many people moving into the state. And, you know, we're worried about um, affordability. We're worried about, um, you know, can we, can we care for the people moving in here in, in some instances? And, of course, are we overcrowding our natural lands? I mean, everybody loves the national parks in Utah, and, and sometimes they're, they're getting overcrowded, as Zion National Park can attest, and Arches National Park, where you have to get a reservation to enter it. And so, you know, I'll be curious to see what those results translate into in terms of action, if any action. It's
2: a great point. And and I think one of the things that um, that I know um, many in the wildlife conservation arena are are thinking about is that, yes, while some kind of industrial development and residential development is uh, a threat to a lot of our, our wildlife habitats and natural places, which is very visible on the landscape, uh widespread and increasing recreation is another one of those, I'll use the word threat, uh, a challenge that that we have before us in terms of especially wildlife conservation, in terms of uh, erosion and in terms of um, just overcrowding in terms of people's uh, experience. And so that is something that decision makers are um, are faced with is not just conserving acres but figuring out how to manage those acres in a way that allows for access, but also allows for stewardship. And there has to be places where some things happen and some things don't. And so it's it's not going away. <laughs> By no means are people going to stop moving to these beautiful places. And so that that's a great point that this does speak to decision makers and let them know, you know what, there's, it's getting crowded here and there's, there's, efforts that need to be made to steward these
1: places, not just, quote unquote, set them aside. Absolutely, absolutely. So I have to ask you, um, what do conservation groups like National Wildlife Federation do with this information, with these poll results? Where do you go with them now? Well, we're gonna be combing through them uh, pretty heavily and kind of slicing and dicing them and really
2: understanding um, the information here, especially because we do work with our affiliate organizations in every state that's listed here and figure out what what are those messages. So for example, um, that 85% support for constructing wildlife crossings, that is great information for us to bring to state houses, bring to Capitol Hill, to say this is where infrastructure funding could and should be uh, allocated and there is overwhelming support. Um, And then that can be driven down to, if we're visiting senators from particular Western states, we've got information that is available that can that is from both, uh, you know, bipartisan Republican and Democratic pollsters that shows that there's overwhelming support for this kind of uh, policy. And so um, this is really valuable information because it uh, cuts right to the bone in terms of those decision makers who really want to listen to their constituents. This is going to be hard to ignore. And our our effort is going to be to elevate these results um, and make sure that it that really uh, that our decision makers are are making decisions that reflect the values of their constituents,
1: yeah, yeah, you know, and as we've said a couple times, um this is the thirteenth annual survey done by uh, Colorado college, and um, it should be pointed out that um, this um, this the pollsters it was bipartisan, there were some democratic pollsters and some republican pollsters, so i don't think critics can say that it was skewed one way or the other. what's really interesting um it is a very, very rich survey. I mean, in my opinion, just looking through it, this might be the, the the richest survey in the history because, I mean, not only do they cover, you know, some of the conservation issues like, you know, do you want more national parks, but they get into, you know, wildfire. As you mentioned, they get into the, the Colorado River and water resources, um, conservation issues, wildland, wildlife issues, um, societal issues involving, you know, Um, tribes and more decision making it's a really robust study
2: it is and i encourage people to uh, visit colorado college's um, website uh, on this it's called the state of the rockies uh, conservation in the west pole is where you can find it and i encourage people to check it out because i think it you'll especially if you value conservation you'll be Happy to know you've got lots of uh, of company uh, from those of us who live in the West, and and so I I agree with you. This is a really great resource, and the the long term nature of it and the bipartisan nature of it is particularly beneficial.
1: Well, Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, it's good to get uh, your insights, the insights of the National Wildlife Federation, um, because it is a, a recurring poll year after year after year, and you, you can sense trends and the, the trends all all tilt toward conservation.
2: They do and I, that
1: gives I think that should give us
2: all hope uh, at a time when the, when there are a lot of challenges. Um, I, I am this is I guess the, the final thing I'd like to say is that this also reassures me that conservation is an issue that can bring people together and doesn't have to divide people. Um, and especially in our current uh, day and age, I think it's really critical to identify those places where we can come together and uh, hopefully we'll continue to do just that.
1: That was Brian Kurzel, the National Wildlife Federation's Regional Executive Director for the Rocky Mountain region. That's our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, to review the poll results yourself, visit coloradocollege.edu and search for State of the Rockies. Next week, we'll be diving back into nature with a new book from a wildlife biologist who spent 50 years observing and learning about the social behavior of coastal brown bears in Alaska. For The Traveler, this is Kurt Repencheck. See you in the parks.
0: The composers and musicians at Orange Tree Productions have created a unique collection known as the National Park Series that has grown to include more than 30 CD titles. Composed against the backdrop of a park's sounds of nature, these musical scores will connect you with these beautiful places and take you there, at least in your mind. This collection is the number one selling national park audio series in the world and provides the background music for National Parks Traveler's podcasts. Visit them at OrangetreeProductions.com Editing and production work for the National Parks Traveler podcast is done by Splitbeard Productions. You can learn more about us at splitbeardproductions.com. National Parks Traveler is a 501c3 nonprofit media organization that provides daily editorial coverage of national parks and protected areas. Traveler's coverage is made possible by reader and listener donations. Visit us at nationalparkstraveler.org.